IT businesses in Sacramento County. From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast, with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT. With your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 149 of the Killing It Killing It podcast. This is Carl, joined today by Ryan and Dave, and Dave is back in uh, the US of A. I am, Welcome, sir. And no one would ever know the difference. <laughs> it's a nice remote working. There'll be a video on how we did it to come out soon on my YouTube channel. Trust me, Dave. If I hadn't said you were gone, no one would know. The it's only just... one who needed to know was you and Sharon and okay. and the and the 80-degree weather instead of the snowstorm. So, Which, which brings me back rather chill, and thus our question of the day for fun. What do you do to rid yourself of stress? Well, other than the obvious, which this is a family show, so um, I personally, I'm a big fan of meditating in the hot tub as the sun rises. I think that goes a long ways. Uh, I walk for fun or for enjoyment, for relaxation, but Really, it is meditating that does it for me. That is that is very precise and detailed, Carl. I I am going to do that. Um, I, ironically, in addition to wherever you are, whatever you are doing, a very nice glass of scotch will solve most of the stress. Problems. Well, there you go. Um, I actually go to the sunset side of things, and uh, if you were to peruse my photos on my phone, you would see that you know out of I don't know thirty thousand photos that are in there over the last X number of years, I would say at least fifteen thousand of them are of sunsets. And uh, I, I am a person that when you give me sunset with good color, I will stop whatever the heck I am doing and take a deep breath, and I will feel better. See, I was like, I was going to quip like beer because I, like I was having a particularly stressful night, like, night last night, and a, and a beer made that all better. But actually, what is more about it is is recognizing my my sort of mental moment where I need to do something where I focus on just the one thing to the to the la- to lack of distraction. I don't not a meditator the way you are, Carl, but I recognize the like I either need to go for a walk or play a video game or literally even just like if I'm drinking the beer, it's like, Oh, the point is, is enjoy that beer. Like take the moment, drink it, taste it. Think about like, get my focus down to just the one thing to the exclusion of everything else. And that's what does it for me. So it's, I'm, I'm cognizant of like, sometimes I just want to put on a TV show and the trick is make sure my phone's away and, and focus on watching. Well, and it's kind of related. I mean, one of the things that happens after enough meditation is that in the moment, I actually have less stress to deal with because even if something is falling apart around me, I can just go through the tick list. Am I safe? Is there any actual danger? Has this happened to other people? Did they come out okay? Right. (laughs) Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, one of the other lessons, and Kara hears this from me all the time, is nobody is paying attention to us. So websites down internet's down you know the building's actually on fire nobody knows until you tell them right right (laughs) i think the same thing very often yeah most of the time nobody's paying any attention to me and i get that and it's okay and that reduces a lot sometimes being self-aware that nobody cares is important (laughs) for me my uh my, my core philosophy in life is what i call duck on the water right as far as anybody else knows, it's good. Everything's fine. Nobody needs to know. Underneath the water, 
Uh, I'm paddling like crazy with like crazy. <laughs> ineffective tools. I am scrambling, but hey, on top of the water, we are goose swan gliding along. Well, this week, <laughs> let's thank our sponsor, Ignite. Are you still using on-prem file servers and VPNs to share files with remote workers? Ignite is a business class cloud sharing solution that works more like your on-prem server than other solutions. With a security first approach to file sharing and collaboration, Ignite offers multiple options for sharing files and collecting files from outside sources. And do it all addressing data governance and compliance. Want to learn more? Check out ignite.com slash MSP radio. And when you do, tell them the guys at Killing It sent you. Excellent. Thank you very much. So let's jump into our first topic here. Uh, so what everybody knows is that the last two years have been gnarly. We have been uh, disrupted in a historical context. And I read a thing the other day that said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do or how long you've been doing it. The last two years are the most disruptive you have ever or will ever experience in the course of your career. At which point I was like, uh, okay, that's encouraging, I think. But we're going to point you guys to an article in the show notes here from a good friend of ours, T.C. Doyle, writing over at Channelnomics. Um, I, I will give credit many times to T.C. He says some things in a way that just brings it down to the crystal uh, clear element of what we're talking about. And his advice for this year is, hey, 2022 might suck a little but embrace it and use it to move your business forward. So my, my question to you guys, both internally in your own businesses, as well as looking out to our audiences, what is the grind that you are embracing in 2022? And how are you gonna use this year to make your business better? I have to say, I, I like this topic and it reminds me, for, for many people who have been in this industry for a while. It reminds me of the era of what I would call SBS 2003. When Small Business Server 2003 came out, it was good enough and stable enough that you could sell the exact same thing, more or less, for five years. And so there, there are periods in your business and in your life where you get to a plateau and you're like, okay, now we just make as much money as we can until some external factor takes it away from us, whether that's inflation, a change in politics, a change in technology or whatever. Uh, this year might be the year of saying, if we can just put get, get technology around cybersecurity under control, the rest of it you could cruise. Um, I don't know that that's true for everybody because the, the reality is everybody's an economy of one. <laughs> so what, what applies to the masses is different than what applies to you personally, dear listener. See, I don't know. The, what's interesting is I want to make a little bit of space because when you make a statement of like, oh, this will be the most challenging year collective for you professionally. I want to make space for people that may have other experiences outside of these these three year span of like, I don't know, fighting cancer or a, a loved one passing or thing like, so I'm not entirely bought into the idea that this is the the bit. I'm also buying into this idea of this is the this is the third part in the coronavirus trilogy of years. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a certain fun of like, oh yeah, we're in a trilogy. We keep making sequels. Um, I also want to have make some space for like it is tumultuous, but for many it has actually been very positive business-wise. 
um, the increased need for technology, the increased uh, opportunity, the spaces that are created based on the disruption. There's lots of spaces where things are better. It's inconsistent and it may be harder and it may result in new challenges, but I'm not necessarily willing to sign off entirely on the like, oh, these are horrible. It's like, well, they're just t more tumultuous. See, I, I, and, I would agree with that. And, and I will go to that next level of, if 2020 was about surviving it and 2021 was about figuring out how to be in this new world, I would call 2022 the year where you actually have to get back to business, right? Uh, we, we have to admit things have been disrupted and, and we're still here, right? Like, I mean, take a look around. You made it. It might have sucked and it might have been really, really hard in certain situations, but you're still here. This is the year where we need to stop complaining about disruption and start performing in spite of disruption. And I think I'll point you to a couple of things that TC points out in, in his article, which again, highly recommend that everybody go read. Uh, number one is uh, we need to do what we do more efficiently. And I think principally that is a question of taking cost and complexity out of the way we do things around here, right? Just because that's the way you've always done it doesn't mean that it's right or best. It just means it's comfortable and familiar think carefully about how you could just stop doing stuff that doesn't add value. And the second thing he points to is a question of rethinking your go-to-market process. In other words, just because those are the customers you've targeted and that's the way you've always connected with them and sold to them, well, that doesn't mean it's written in stone. You should reconsider who are you selling to and are they the best targets? How are you reaching them and are you using modern tools and are you engaging and selling in a way that's giving you the best reward? I think that there's new opportunities in 2022 that just fundamentally didn't exist before and we can do it differently. You just have to yeah. choose. And the one I'm going to pull from a topic that I constantly talk about in Business of Tech, but I'm going to do a twist here for, for these listeners is, look, I think the disruption in the way we work, the hiring, the power to the power to the workers, anybody who can figure that out is going to do incredibly well when it is most challenging and you figure out a version of it that works for you and your employees and the kind of people you want to want to hire. That will make you incredibly well positioned for when things are quote unquote better. They'll be different. Like, but but if you're able to retain people, have people engage, not have struggles with labor, there are people that want to work. There are people that want to work at your company if the job is good, <laughs> if the pay is good, if the right. benefits are good, if it creates opportunity for them in their lives. And that is an achievable thing completely. And if you can do it in a downtime, and then maintain that you will do well in good, you know, in quote unquote good times as well. Right. I think it's. I do have to point out. I, I don't think that this is going to be a downtime at all. Right. I don't time. either. <laughs> like, I mean, so far the pandemic has served this industry very, very well. Our clients have had some struggles. Some of those clients don't exist anymore, um, and. You know, inflation is something that a lot of business owners today have never dealt with in their lifetime. <laughs> right. Right. Like not significant inflation. And so, you know, the, 
the challenges are more on the business side of how you run a business than they are on the technology side of how you solve problems. Yep, totally agree with that. There's what you sell is more mandatory for your customers than it literally has ever been. That's great. If you can operate efficiently, sell effectively, and connect with people, uh, Dave, I'll I'll put a hammer down on agreeing with with your point. Don't just survive remote work. Don't just tolerate the new hybrid form of doing things. Embrace it. Make it part of your DNA. And don't just tell people, hey, you know, occasionally you can work from home and we'll allow that and not be angry at you. Use it as a professional resource. Make it part of your DNA and uh, good quality humans will seek you out. They will want to work there. Very good. So much for topic number one. Topic number two, uh, we've got an article about Mark Cuban, who is famous from Shark Tank, um, buying into an online pharmacy or buying, creating an online pharmacy where his basic uh, approach is we're going to figure out as much as we can to keep the prices as low as possible and therefore just sell a whole bunch. And I have to say, in general, I agree with that approach, although personally, uh, I think that there's too many people who need other things besides a low price. And so, you know, building a business based on people who can't actually afford what you sell is always a dicey move. And I don't think it's as simple as he makes it sound. Well, except what, what's interesting is, is he's targeted a specific industry, right? So he's going after pharmaceuticals. And he's gone in and said, I'm going to focus on the generic drug, drug space where I can go in where it is literally a generic, right? And so, so I, you know, my, my point there is, is I'm going to go. I want to be disruptive here. I want to kind of break even and maximize the number of people that can make some money. And then I'd like to push down prices by my approach, that if I go in there and I go in with this low break-even price, other people will have to drive will drive down the cost because they have to compete with me, and I'm cutting out the middlemen to do it. And what's interesting is is that there is a certain basic business approach to this that I think is really smart, and targeting an industry that has gotten a little perhaps big for its own britches. Uh, or so <laughs> and, I would say I would agree with you, except that. There's this thing you may have heard of called Walmart, <laughs> and they already own that space. You know, $3 prescriptions for just about everything is pretty hard to compete with. And I, I, I also think Mark Cuban's history is the companies that he actually buys. He buys them. He decimates a lot of what makes that uh, individual business stand out, makes a bunch of money, and, you know, adds millions to his bottom Well, and, and so... I'll, I'll dig in where you're going, Carl. Let's let's remember who we're talking about, right? If you recall, like what did Mark Cuban actually do in his first gig? Do you guys know? Oh, it's broadcast.com, broadcast.com. Yeah. Uh, no, before he was broadcast.com, that's how he made a billion. Mark's first gig, he was a solution provider. He was oh, right. interviewed by Bar Business Magazine. He used to attend exchange events. He was one of us. 
He was a solution provider. And remember, he grew up in the era when Dell was first entering the marketplace and competing with custom white box uh, solution providers where we were configuring and designing and customizing solutions for individual customer needs. Dell came in and said, one flavor, one version, you want small, medium, or large, and I'll just hammer the cost. Mark listened and Mark learned that lesson and he has done exactly that thing in every gig that he's ever had since then. Now, what I wanna make sure people understand here is uh, in the article, they say, ooh, Mark's cutting out the middleman and he's going to, he's going to threaten all of the dealers in the, the pharmacy. Mark's not cutting out a middleman. Mark's just repositioning himself as a different lower cost more desirable middleman. He's got absolutely no intention of selling direct from the pharmacy, that, I mean, from the pharmaceutical company. That is not his play at all. All he's doing is Dell in say, what, 1996 in the technology industry. They're gonna come into a world of disparate players and all these resellers and all these custom plays, and they're just gonna go volume, consistency, price, wham. And back then, everybody had to relearn how to do business to not get put out of business by Dell in the channel. But that brought us back to exactly where you went, Carl. Um, you don't beat Dell by selling at lower prices. You don't out-Dell Dell. The way you beat them is you come in and go, you know, do you need some local help? Do you need some support? Do you need somebody on hand to reassure you at the very least that you're making the right decision? Um, I kind of think that matters more in the pharma business than it even did in technology. People want to be reassured. So there will never be a world where he's going to take all of the drug purchases, but he is going to be an interesting aggregator to sell heavy at price. We've seen that before. We know how to compete against that. Well, look, it's, but, but by the way, it is a good play. <laughs> like it's, you know, I mean, when you talk about like, well, you know, being Dell, it's like, I, I don't necessarily know if I would mind being Dell. Like, <laughs> Mike, Mike made a little bit of money in the process. Mike was also well, a reseller. <laughs> another way to compete with Dell, what I did uh, at the time, is ignore Dell. I uh, actually put out a video last Friday. My SOP video was all about, you know, you are more likely to lose your best customers to somebody who's more expensive than you are to lose poor customers to people who are less expensive, right? That if, if you look at the people who are price sensitive, uh, they are a different group of people than the people who are not price sensitive. Customers who are not price sensitive will actually find someone who's more expensive but offers more services to be more appealing. And so you, you really need to protect your bigger, better customers by making sure your prices remain high rather than going after a market that can't afford their services. I would just point out, like, I like Mark Cuban and all that, but I have to say, I don't think there's anything about this that's disruptive. He's just taking on Walmart, and I got to say, I, if I had to bet on one of them, I'd bet on Walmart because they already have the audience and they already have the market. And they have they have built a business on people who live paycheck to paycheck. Well, the, the reason I mean, and I'll say, look, the, the reason that this article was intriguing to me was how much it plays to business basics. 
everything that we've just talked about is nothing. We, it's not necessarily dis, quote unquote disruptive. It's not necessarily. It is more just playing the basic games of understanding the levers and where you can position and how you can price and how you can play and what markets look like. That's all the basics. And when you understand and maneuver within the basics, you can be creative. Don't get me wrong, but there are just a number of plays, and you run them different ways and in different situations, different times. And that was my takeaway here more than anything was is you need to learn and watch these moves to understand them and what they are so that you too can play that game in your own competition, your environment, the way you run your business, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and Dave, that is incredibly timely advice because uh, for everybody listening to this uh, conversation, you are facing new and different forms of competition and you will continue to throughout 2022. Uh, new players, new resellers, integrators, software providers, uh, law firms that also provide data backup and protection, right? You are facing new threats, not just from other MSPs, not just from other solution providers who were born to do what you do, but other people who take the things that you do and integrate them into their other value propositions. I mean, think about it. We've spent a couple of years now talking about cyber insurance, and we would add that as a service on top of all of our cybersecurity. You, you know who's got that same idea in reverse? Insurance companies who say, you know, in addition to selling people cyber insurance, I could just sell them some cybersecurity services. They're coming for you. you need and some networking to the bottom. <laughs> and a side of fries. <laughs> exactly. Well, so let it goes from one position to another disruption. Let's talk about one we missed last week for time. Let's talk about Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. As a resident gamer, uh, I with all my particular Blizzard stuff uh, on my back wall, I even was noticing this even more closely. It's a record-breaking deal for Microsoft coming at $68.7 billion, expected to close sometime around uh, July, June, July 2023. They're going to take over the Activision Blizzard Studios. They get a number of, of uh, collections they plan on honoring exist any existing deals because, uh, of course, that's how deals work. Uh, but there, you can see their intention is to pull those products into their Microsoft Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass offering so that they can have that and acquire all of those studios and make them all first-person. Guys, uh, as the guys probably watching as non-gamers, what were your initial impressions on these particular moves? So I actually don't care about anything you just said, because what I was interested in is the, what this means for edge technology. Because, you know, if you think about, to me, the analogy is, what is Microsoft going to learn about delivering something to the car, uh, to the mobile device, to the droid that's, you know, or the, the drone that's flying across town, right? How can we take this... Uh, seemingly real-time experience, but make sure that get, data gets where it needs to get at the right time. I think this is a huge opportunity for Microsoft to take that sort of vision of how you deliver data and, and have real-world interaction and take it to a much higher level than gaming. Not that there's anything low about gaming. Well, it's, a, you know it's I mean. a massively, uh, massive business, multiples larger than, than most of the rest of the entertainment business and doesn't doesn't almost doesn't occupy the space it should based on how much money's there. Yeah, that's a, right. That's incredibly accurate. And now think of it this way, right? Uh, I, I thought of this on two levels. Number one, in the spirit of competition, the day that this deal was announced, 
Sony's stock price went down by 20%. Uh, wow. Ouch. Okay. Um, so number one, um, the P the PS4, PS5 guys over there, the PlayStation unit at Sony, I think they've had some very sleepless nights since this announcement because it does fundamentally threaten their business through vertical integration. It is the device integrated with the content that goes into that device, and Apple has shown that that can be an incredibly powerful business model. If Microsoft can learn that Apple strategy a little bit, I think it's going to be transformative in share in the industry. But I look at it at a different level, right? I'm going to say a word that I know that we all don't like, but uh, I, I think it's, it's relevant. Uh, the metaverse. Oh, no. The metaverse, <laughs> right? Okay, so think about it this way. Uh, if that thing is going to be a thing, if that is going to come and we're all going to have a second experience where we go online into an, a, a, an immersive digital environment, which one would you prefer to spend your time in? One that looked like the clown show amateur animation of the Facebook demonstration of what their graphics would look like when you go into a Facebook meeting in their metaverse. It was kindergarten level illustrations and animations as opposed to, I don't know, you could exist inside the landscape of God of War or of, of any of those things. Now, if the metaverse is gonna happen, it's going to need to be an attractive, immersive, very transformative 3D environment. And Microsoft clearly don't know how to create that stuff. But Activision <laughs> absolutely positively does. And if you can just take their environment engine out of the video game world and plunk it into the metaverse, I think you're going to actually get some folks to want to show up and hang out there. Well, all right. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a metaverse point, point, and then I'm gonna make a revenue point. So the first is is so I don't buy into the metaverse bit, and I don't buy into the metaverse because of two reasons. The first is, it's already here if you look at it from the perspective of gaming and virtual worlds are right. a thing. From a, like, I don't need a headset for it to be a virtual world. You can exist in a virtual world without it. But the second bit is is to do the immersive virtual environment that they talk about, we are so far from the bandwidth being available for this that, I mean, if you, again, we go back to slamming everybody into remote work last, uh, you know, in, in March of 2020, the networks held, but they just barely held. <laughs> and that was to slam everybody onto Zoom calls, not massive interactive multi metaverse BS that everyone seems to think is happening. So that's my first bit. But more importantly, I do want to at least go a little deeper on how much money is involved with this. Everyone likes to talk about the idea of the entertainment business and they like to think of movies, right? If you take something like, I don't know, Avengers Endgame, right? Like one of the biggest movies of all time. It pops, it does for a certain amount of time, it makes its billion dollars and moves on. It'll do, you know, massive first week run of 300, 400 million dollars. Call of Duty does that kind of money every single day in terms of recurring amounts of money. We're talking about, imagine if you released a movie like that every single day. That's how much money we're talking about when we're talking about video gaming versus the world of, of the rest of the worlds of entertainment. So it so, is- So Dave, Dave, prognosticate for us here. 
Um, if this one works for Microsoft, because it's massive, and I agree with Carl, that's a phenomenally transformative acquisition. Who's next? Do you think maybe Apple buys a video game company, or do you think Sony has to? No. So as I put my video game analyst hat on for a moment and go, Sony will is going to be forced to move into subscription model because at this point, micro, Microsoft has done such a good job of moving us towards you pay fourteen ninety nine a month for the Microsoft you know, for the Xbox Game Pass, which gives everything in their now massive arsenal of studios. You get on day one <laughs> that's the way that you do it i didn't buy halo i just subscribe and it showed up on the first day and by the way you know 25 million players played it and since it came out that's that's the number of people that are they're getting on the subscription juggernaut as opposed to sony which is purely transactional and anybody who's thinking about this from the way we've all gotten into your mrr right what what microsoft has done is already jumped into we're at 25 million users playing this style in, in you know in xbox game pass who are paying us monthly versus our competitor that wants to sell you a game and then has to go back and sell you another game Come on, IT solution providers. Does this sound like anybody you know? Yeah, exactly. Does this sound like an echo of our entire right. industry? And don't get me wrong. Sony's incredibly well positioned right now with a leader in the space. They 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 are you know, and Tencent being a larger gamer piece as well. But now Microsoft coming out with a juggernaut positioning just in gaming alone with that much money, and which also powers their. Azure backend, their cloud systems, like right. there's so much of this business that plays really nicely. From my perspective, it's like, oh, this is a great version. Oh, and by the way, they took on the wounded gazelle, which is uh, which is Activision Blizzard, who is in a, admired in controversy both over late about massive labor problems, of which Microsoft can come on and just fix this because they're dead and they can come in and they're mature and they know how to fix right. this stuff. Well, and they have cash, right? Cash <laughs> and experience and they can wipe all of that garbage away. It's a great move. Do I think it'll get through re through regulatory scrutiny? Yeah, I actually think it will because Microsoft is less of a target for everybody else. But I look at it and say like, yes, it's all of the reason you guys are talking about, but just from a gaming perspective alone, let's not be dismissive of how much of a big move this is for them in that space. Ain't it, ain't it funny how Microsoft is no longer on the radar of the regulators from an antitrust perspective, they're still the same company that didn't get broken up. Way oh, they then. just learned how to walk. And they, you know, and they just the bought another <laughs> industry leader. They're just going to become more monopolistic in this process. And yet they're doing it nicely and friendly to their neighbors. So they're not going to get hammered with the regulators the way. Well, the only reason that you would be opposed to a monopoly is if it acted in a certain way that harmed other people. So if you are a monopoly who doesn't do that stuff, well, then right. life is a little bit better. And Sadly, we are out of time. And, and yet we have finished episode 149 of the Killing It, Killing it! podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.